Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try and take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, and hopefully make it less confusing than it was at the beginning. Last week we kept fairly on track in the field of evolution. We're going to look at the opposite end of the spectrum today as we explore extinction. Ever the happy lot we are. If you can follow us on Twitter, is at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, Information Entry Pod, Spotify, iTunes. We're on all the directories as well, as I'm sure you found us on, actually. However, if you can give us a like, a rating, comment, a share, whatever it is, it helps us out more than you can ever know, especially if that place happens to be uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I am Tom Jenks, and I'm joined, as per usual, by my very good friend, Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? I'm doing alright, thank you. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. How has your week been? It's been long. It's been a surprisingly long. long week. Yeah, I don't know why. It's come out of nowhere, those. Yeah, those long weeks. I don't know. You know, it's just... You try and stay high energy, but sometimes it ain't there. Ain't there. Maybe it's just a day. I feel you. I think it's the start of, like, the winter months have begun uh, okay yeah george rr R. martin movie uh book up in my <laughs> life the yeah. winter's cold and dark and full of it's trying to get uh, out of bed at a reasonable time in the morning and struggling every single time yeah that's fair uh, it's not too bad here weather wise yeah so, i mean it's 16 degrees now and it's 10 o'clock at night that's that's pleasant that's pleasant so it's not too bad bridge but the light going is not too bad. Yeah, is uh, you is wait. Different. You wait until you're back in Scotland, and then you realize oh, I know. it's going to be such a shock. <laughs> full, full reverse culture shock. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I didn't realize how much of an impact my Discover Weekly playlist had on my mood for the week. Oh, interesting. Because okay. I listened to my Discover playlist this week, and I was so disappointed by the songs on there. Uh-huh. I have was you, like, right, like, now I've got to discover, find my own how, songs. What how do you this? find the Discover Weekly playlist? Because I, oh, you have to scroll down. Discover something new. Okay. No, mine, just, mine just appears. And I'm like, right, every Monday I've got a new playlist. That's that's great stuff. Do you, and it was, it was just bad. Like, like and remove. Because the, on Spotify there's the buttons that you have to be like, no, I don't like this. And, or, no, I do like this more. Then it, like, refines your taste. Because um, if you don't do that, how does the algorithm get to know, Tom? Well, no- normally it's banging, so I don't mind. Uh, but I don't have those buttons, so it, it yes. Yeah, sh- is it like there's a remove? There should be like a remove button. I'm not seeing it. Are you on desktop or mobile? Desktop. I mean, like, oh, oh I'll see, I'll, I'm I'll on mobile. mobile. Um, another ex- anyway. exciting thing in the, the world of Mitchell. We've um, we think we've got a uh, little rodent that lives with us now. Oh really? Yeah, we. Was this a conscious decision or no, 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 no? Right. So under our sink, we keep our like sponges and our cleaning goods, like most people, I would think, do the same. And I was cleaning up, pulled out the shelf, uh, and was just like, huh. There's either the brand new um, sponges that we bought have suddenly just spontaneously decided to uh, disintegrate and fall to pieces, or someone's come through and nibbled on them. Interesting. So we're like, oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, didn't think of it. Happened again. And we're like, okay, we definitely got as a mouth. So there's, there, there must be a hole somewhere where the pipe goes into the wall from the sink. And I was uh, like, okay, that's that's not ideal, but we keep that door closed. That's fine. Now we've got like an under stair pantry kind of thing. It's got like a, I think like a folding door. And we've just found that one of our bags of flowers has been nibbled through. Because it fell off the shelf. Ah. We're like, okay, so there must be another hole. And I did some rooting around, and there is a hole to like under the floor where the pipe they've done, they've put the pipe through, but they haven't like resealed it up. 
Okay, that um, made it a snug fit. Yeah, they haven't made it a snug fit. So I put a mallet down it to make it a snug fit. <laughs> Fair, I like it. Um, but yeah, that's our exciting new thing at the moment. Is oh, that's cute. Like a humane. Well, we ha- see. I said let's get like a, a mouse. <laughs> Sent me a mouse, like a humane mouse catcher that works on like they go in it and it like tips up and it closes the door. Right. And I was like, yeah, but you're fine. Until if we find evidence that something's tried to get what we put in there, but hasn't quite fit. Ah, uh, yeah. So imagine like you come back and it's been pushed across the floor and like something they tried to get in that tube, but was too big to fit in it. That I think is more going to be more horrific. <laughs> well, yeah, if you just block up the hole and then it can't come in. Yeah, that's what I've done. So yeah, I think I think you've done the right thing there. Mm-hmm. Because, right. you know, I said it's currently just eating flour and sponges. So it's not getting much food from us. Because we don't, we, don't we don't leave stuff out, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, the exciting news. Ah, oh, very exciting. Yeah. Other than that, uh, yeah, other exciting news. I was thinking about getting a Starlink. Oh, we, talked, yes. we talked about this off. But I thought this was actually quite interesting. Because I didn't realise there's, like, websites that you can go to view the Starlinks and other satellites around the globe. Yes. And you can put an address in and then it will show you which ones are currently linked to that location. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, it's based on, I think it's pentagons. No, hexagons. It's not five or six. Um, Grids across the world. And then like, if you're in that grid, that hexagon grid it'll show you which ones are connected and normally it tries to get three starlinks in each hexagon at a time that's pretty cool it is pretty pretty cool yeah the issue is we're currently moving away from bristol to a place uh that could be quite rural and rural places in denver and if people didn't know across the uk and america have no internet infrastructure like i'm talking using go compare which is just an aggregate website that shows you all the different like speeds like 10 yeah. is the maximum, <laughs> like 10 megabytes a second, which we're currently chilling at a cool 250 here in Bristol. <laughs> so That's tasty. That's tasty. Yeah, it's a huge, going to be a huge step down. But 10 is just like, we can't work. We can't work with that. Yeah, no, so. it's just not, it's not feasible. No. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have a, a, maybe a similar issue moving back to Scotland. But I hope not. It's just St. Andrews is quite a small place. Mm-hmm. But the last time I was there, the internet connectivity was pretty decent. I mean, there's a uni. It's a uni town, right? So, you hope. Mm-hmm. You hope. I did see for the first time, uh, visualised in like a 3D model, the Earth submarine fibre optic cable network that shows how all of the... Uh, countries around the world are linked to the fiber optic cable it's madness it really is kind of insane unfortunately i couldn't download it um but when i can i'll put it up on oh it worked this time oh sick all right keep an eye on our instagram (laughs) in the coming days i'll put that up on there because that is really cool Really interesting to see. Yeah, and you, the thing being is like, oh, there's only one cable. There's a couple of cables. You you would struggle to go down and like cut them and yeah. attack them. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah. So the massive things, and it's yeah. like you can see where there's like a little island, like Hawaii or something, that just kind of branches off to get them internet. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. All right, this week though, extinction. I may have gaffed a little bit because. I had a multiple ideas going around in my head and apparently through text I can't make myself I can't put my ideas out <laughs> so I may have told Mitch one thing whilst deciding on another and not putting that idea across properly so this may be a bit of a mix and match of an episode um, but we'll see we'll see what we do Yeah, we'll see what we do uh, apologies, uh, that's my bad. Are we far uh, enough I, in the future to start talking about rings of? I just, I just rings of power. I've got like the final episode. I haven't watched the final episode, but are we far enough in the future, or do we have to leave it a couple of months? I reckon we could do a dedicated episode. Okay. To um, There's one bit that I kind of guess, and I'm just like, oh, that's awfully convenient. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in the future. Do you want to ruin for people that haven't watched it yet? I feel like, yeah, we can give ourselves an excuse just to, do, just to talk about it for an episode. Yeah, yeah. Because I've no, we'll, got a we'll question about the... Because you see them right at the start, the, the white orcs. The white orcs? Yeah, they've got the, the white skin because that's what they were back then. Right. Why Why do you sound so confused? I have no idea what about me. Rings of Power. Yeah, yeah, I know. The yeah, orcs yeah. in Rings of Power. Yeah. They've got white skin. Right. Why is that? The- <laughs> do they? Yeah, they do. Okay. They're all white. Rings and if they go in the skin, they burn their skin. Because they only come out at night. Okay, right. I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm but not they're crazy. not all like that. There's some that are a bit darker as well. No, 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 no. They've all got uh, white skin. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I we think I'm used to seeing them at night. You can yeah, just... the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. These are just things I don't pay attention to, really. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yes. Uh... They, there's a there's a thing that happens, which obviously, if you canonically know, uh, but do they, do they evolve? Do the orcs evolve? Well, this is one of the things I'd like to speak about as an episode. Yeah, because um, I think that's yes, what we can get they into. They definitely do. Because they definitely there's do. orcs, uruks, and orakai. Yeah, and, and obviously the urukai are made in the two towers, right? Saruman creates the urukai there. Yeah, but they're based off off the uruks. They are, yes. Yeah, so they're like a the, the so lineage. So it's a question, right, because yeah. they were elves and men, humans, sorry, uh, beforehand. Mm-hmm. Are they genetically engineered? Thus, is it evolution? Okay, so I think the last the ones in the Twin the Towers, that is genetically engineered. I, I, you say Magic. genetically engineered, like magically engineered because yeah. they're like put underground and tortured and stuff and all the bad things happen to them. Yeah, but then they're kind of like rebirthed. Yeah, out of the little sack things. That's one of my favorite for the series. Racing's one with the, with the um, like the broken small hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Bad right, right. Let's let's we'll, we'll we'll come back to that. That's a sneak peek into the we future. We'll come back to that because that's very interesting. Um, it, is, it is. I've got some news. Yeah, what's your and news? And it further perpetuates my theory that this podcast makes the scientific world turn. <laughs> what happened? So this came out late last week in Nature. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and it reveals, re- revelates. Reveals. Is, reveals. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. There has been a revelation. Yeah, sure. It's to do with evolution. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, during the Industrial Revolution... The pigmentation of peppered moths changed within decades, right? Because the soot-covered surfaces was better or selected for darker pigmented moths, right? This is like a classic example we learn about in school, about evolution. But what this confirmed was what we'd only hypothesized before, was how quickly certain traits can change. Like evolution can happen on a very quick timescale, decades, not just millennia. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people are like, well, you know, they're moths. They have really large populations. They have a really short generation time. So traits can change pretty quickly. However, Clunk et al. just released... Well, fantastic name, by the way, Clunk. Uh, just released Paul a Lever report Clunk. <laughs> that even humans can adapt at remarkable speed. But what they... they what they put, and I quote, riding the evolutionary bullet train might come at a cost. So, let's roll back 14th century Europe. Bubonic plague, the Black Death, killed 50% of people in Europe. Which, by the way, having just going through a pandemic is kind of terrifying and puts that a lot more in perspective now than when I was learning it uh, way back when. Now, they hypothesize a simple question. Was the Black Death so deadly 
that it triggered an episode of natural selection in the in the genomes of infected humans. Did the survivors carry specific genetic variants that made them more likely to survive? So what they did, and what makes this such a good study, is that they sequenced DNA from people who lived in London and Denmark just before and after the DNA, uh, the, the Black Death came around. Mm-hmm. But what they had was very specific dates of the people that they were sequencing and the amount of people that they managed to sequence. So they managed to sequence around 400 different people. And people. they have very precise people, yeah. Nice. And they have very precise dates. So in London, it was around one thousand uh, or one thousand to twelve fifty AD. De- Denmark, it was uh, eight fifty to thirteen fifty AD, and then afterwards in London, thirteen fifty to fifteen thirty nine AD, and Denmark, thirteen fifty AD to around eighteen hundred AD. So what they did was they gen- they tracked genetic variants within the populations before the pandemic and after the pandemic. Oh, sorry, the bubonic plague, the Black Death pandemic, not the current one. Um, and even in London, they did it during. Anyway, long story short, in just a few generations, tens to hundreds of genetic variants that are protective against the bubonic plague became more common in a detectable way. They found that the four most uh, common genetic traits were selected for at a speed and intensity that has never been seen before in human genomes. And individuals who carried some or all of these variants had immune defences that probably responded way more effectively to the Black Death as a result. And obviously, further infections within those populations uh, were a lot slower, which indeed they were. But the the thing is, continuing on from that, and we are still seeing the effects of it in today's population from the descendants of people in London and uh, Denmark, is that the speed at which natural selection occurred during the Black Death period may have come at a cost that some genetic variants that increase the risk of autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis and it's thought that obviously this risk didn't really matter during the black death because people weren't maybe getting to the age where autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis were you know a massive problem but the traits were selected for and this is what we talked about last week about genetic hitchhiking we selected for the traits to protect yourself against the black death but along with that came the trait which meant you get rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. That's it, really. The trade-off has been made and we're still paying the price. And I wonder, I wonder if the current pandemic has had a difference in anything like that. Because we know mentally it's had a massive difference on, let's say, uh, the teenagers of the pandemic compared to the teenagers of, you know, the, the few years prior, right? The same age group. Yeah. We know that people have more mental issues and are not as socially adept as you might expect them to be. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see, like, the mental... Uh, let's say spectrum of the children like the baby pandemic babies Mm. just because they wouldn't have been able to socialise in those formative years maybe by babies do you mean like toddlers and children because babies aren't going to remember or care that's true toddlers Toddlers may you should be socialising at this point or they'll, they'll probably just catch up in within a year or two, I imagine. Yeah. Ah, I feel for the people that had their first year of university whipped away from them. Oh yeah, that, that's gotta that's gotta hurt. Because that's the, that's the bit that you like. You make those that, that networking, you make those contacts yeah. and stuff. 
100%. Going into, yeah, going into second year would be... Oof. I think you'd just do freshers again, wouldn't you? Freshers round two. Yeah. 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 It just screams like absolute carnage. Like Oh, yeah. Because there'd be four, three years of people who weren't young enough, who are now old enough, but couldn't oh, go out. that's true. As well because as... if you were going into your first year... And then you got pan- pandemized, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you'd be coming back in your third year for the first time properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you were, well, that's the thing. If you if you were 16 and the pandemic started, where by the time it finished, you'd be able to go out for a pint. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. So I get around, that's absolutely calamities happened oh 100% yeah that's funny alright oh also other piece of very quick news that I'm not going to go into right now but potentially has massive implications if it turns out to be true they were doing some experiments on the human brain in MRI machines and saw they were showing weird uh, signals mm-hmm. and so they repeat these experiments within the frame of quantum entangling and they found that the water molecules in the brain or the protons of the water molecules in the brain might potentially be quantumly entangled which is why they're more efficient than supercomputers currently right this is a running theory and more experiments are going to be needed in the future to kind of prove this or not which is why I'm not going to go into it any further but it may turn out that the reason why the human brain is so efficient is that it's quantumly entangled and that's why it's just so efficient yeah it works so well Mm. which would be madness for another day a biologically engineered quantumly entangled meat computer yeah just put another label on it though isn't it it's gonna change it it is but it sent me down like a weird spiral of okay is that proof we're in a simulation is like how does a how do, how do you get there as a biological product how do you collect those things specifically like what things what are you talking about how does the brain specifically collect quantumly entangled water molecules? Why, what you Why do you find a higher concentration of them in the brain compared to just normal places everywhere else? That seems weird to me, you've but got, I don't understand much about it. So Yeah, yeah. So you, you've gone down a, down a biological road that I just can't follow. All right, well, there we go. Uh, cool. Well, extinction then. <laughs> got any facts uh, I think I've got many facts about different kinds of extinction events that could possibly happen yeah cool so yeah I sent Mitch down the more sci-fi route of <laughs> apocalypse mode while mm. I went down the more biological route of this is what an extinction is yeah <laughs> this will yeah. be a fun pick a mix it, 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 you know what it could be because I've got things oh. like zombies <laughs> in my pick and mix I really enjoy it yeah cool um, and my fact about that if you didn't know there's a law in Haiti that makes it a criminal offence to turn someone into a zombie which is a strange law to have it is article 249 uh, dictates that if someone drugs another person buries them as though they were dead and then digs up the person and brings him back to life it is still considered murder not because they were like I haven't murdered him oh yeah so they drugged the person um yes drugged the person they actually died bury them yeah okay as as though they were dead as though they were dead and then right. digs them up and brings them back to bring bring them back to life there it's still considered murder and I think yeah, well... it was brought in because there was a lot of uh slavery that happened between right. Haitians that claimed that they 
like they were drugged up and then made into a slave but they were like they claimed they were zombies and therefore you know they could be made slaves because they don't have the protections of being alive oh to skirt around that rule that's a that's a that's an odd way to uh skirt yeah. around the law to, to, okay. to patch up that hole they said that it's still considered murder or attempted murder even if you do it that way so yeah, yeah that's fair i don't hate that yes uh i don't hate that being in place yeah and we and it comes it comes from Haitian folklore the first time that zombies are uh really mentioned okay um it's sort of a dead body that's been reanimated through various methods. Uh, most commonly magic, like voodoo. Hoodoo? We do. No, it's voodoo. It's the power of the voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> is that? I don't know what song is. That's uh, Labyrinth, mate. That is. Is that... Is that uh, I was that's good old David Bowie. Bowie. I was going to call him Billy Joel then. David Bowie, yeah. Yeah, and... Well, yeah, I was going to say the crotch of destiny, but that we don't need to go down that route. Yeah. So I still yeah, can't believe you haven't seen it, mate. I I have seen parts of it. It's not all about it. It's not all. Oh, it's just just not everything about it. Yeah. It's just a classic. Mm-hmm. Needs so, to be seen. <laughs> I intermingled extinction with uh, apocalyptic kind of events. Well, that's on me. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will take the blame on this one. It's it's, it's on me. I should have been more clear in uh, my yeah. distinction of what road we were going to go down. Yeah. So um, in, in like in like the events, if you go to like, there's a, a a list of predicted apocalyptic events, and a lot of them okay. are extinction events. Um, some of them are like. Lots of cults and religious leaders claiming the end of the world. Yeah. Um, so, such so like this Nancy Lyder, who, according to her website, that you can go view, um, the Zeta Reticuli star system told her through messages via her brain implant of a planet which would enter the solar system and cause the poles to shift on Earth that would destroy humanity in a big extinction event. Um, oh, okay. That was supposed to happen on the 27th of May, 2003. Isn't she the one who's changed the date? Like seven (laughs) times. Possibly, because that was... Yeah, we're currently like 19 years after the fact of 2003. The website's still up, so, you know. Ah, nice. You can go have a look at yourself. Um, Yeah, I seem to remember reading about her a few months ago. And obviously my brain's like, that's information I need to retain. Mm-hmm. And I think she first predicted it in 97 and it didn't happen. And she's just kept extending the date. Just moving it back, moving the goalposts. So yeah, that's what, exactly. that's what you do if you're a cult leader. Um, <laughs> other things, it also includes things like the heat death of the universe, which will eventually happen. Um, yeah. As well, those. It, that's just not like speculative nonsense like the, the occultist. That will happen. That will many, happen. Many, many, yeah. many, many, many years in, in the future. Do you know what I watched the other day? What? And if you haven't seen this, Infinity, did I you finally watch it? I fully recommend it. Uh, that is also on my list. <laughs> uh, this is cool. It's a 30 minute documentary on YouTube. So you can go watch it. Uh, it's completely free. It's called A Time Lapse of the Future. And it starts in 2019 when they made it. And then, like, every five seconds, it doubles the speed of, like, time travel, doubles. And they end up going like 400 billion years in the future to show mm-hmm. you what the universe is going to be like. And they ultimately, obviously, arrive at the heat death of the universe. And then they go further into what potentially could happen to the best of our knowledge. You know, maybe Big Bang 2, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, crunches. If you're not in like a good mental space, though, don't go watch it. <laughs> there's like existential dread but mm-hmm. it's also fascinating at the same time anyway yeah sorry that was that that didn't that was just random yeah I, I recommend I, again if you haven't watched Infinity watch Infinity there's there's yes. such an incredible analogy about the Infinity Hotel which ah yes is such a good mind 
bender slash explanation of just yeah how like bounds of infinity and adding infinity and how that works and how do you add one to infinity yeah because it's which vsauce does some really good stuff on that as well it's like there's higher levels of infinity yes there are and it's like how does that even work but yeah it exists infinity to infinity but you can indeed Mm -hmm. just more of a concept which is a strange thing to think about yeah exactly um yeah crazy stuff mental right uh so other things in the the big list of apocalyptic extinction events um the big rip The big rip. Is this like universal destruction? Uh, yeah, pretty much. This is like extinction of the entire universe. Okay. Is this universe pulling itself apart? Essentially, yeah. It like it's to do with the uh, method or mechanisms to regenerate hydrogen atoms from radiation. Dark matter, dark okay. energy, zero point energy, and other sources. If so, uh, it is at least possible that star formations and heat transfer could continue, avoiding a gradual running down of the universe due to the conversion of matter into energy and heavier elements in the, the stellar process. So it's like people think like the heat death of the universe is a certain, but if there are mechanisms in place that stop that, it's not actually a certain. But there was a really in Infinity, they they talk about a box with an apple in it, and like how over an infinite amount of time, and it was one of the crazy things that like you just don't think about because it's, it it's, it's it's infinite. So it was like the apple will break down into particles. Eventually, that starts swirling, create mass into because it'll go into its different like atomic particles, build things together, like create destroy on like over infinity at some point another apple will be in that box just by chance not by chance but yeah well a by chance but b because if you've got all the building blocks of an apple in that closed environment and given enough time that it can break down into its its all its different parts and come back together purely by things like spurning rounds, that kind of stuff. So you have to have a mechanism for which the particles can reorganise. Because like if I leave an apple in a box, all of the, it's just going to sink to the bottom because gravity is pulling all of the particles down and won't let them reorganise, right? Yeah, but you're thinking purely on, on Earth. Earth. Yeah. Okay. Which, if you're thinking of infinity, that's not realistic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, I could I completely get that. It's like um, when you think about entropy, right? If you throw a pack of cards on the floor, what is the likelihood they'll land in a house of cards? Not zero. <laughs> it could happen. Do you know what I mean? It could happen. It could it's happen. very, yeah. very minimal, mm. but it could happen. Indeed. Yeah, we're things to think about. To wrap your head around. Um. Yeah, I think I think it then uses that to not leap board or springboard into like different universe theories, but like different like infinite theories. The thing that I always bugged me. It's not really I've side read it's infinite here. But the whole um million monkeys with million time uh not million, infinite monkeys, infinite amount of time, they would eventually write Shakespeare. Yeah. But if there was infinite monkeys, you would only you wouldn't need an infinite amount of time. You would just need the finitest of time because there's an infinite amount of monkeys. It's one of the, it's, it's one of those things where the human brain is putting itself in the way of thinking about infinites, right? It's one of those weird, like, oh yeah, because you would you would need some time because you know they have to write and learn. It's like no, because if there's an infinite amount of monkeys, by well, chance, the point is like the, the reason you pick monkeys in that analogy is that they don't learn, right? It's just that they're they're clacking away, yeah, randomly. 
But okay, um, not, I don't have the issue with the monkey bit, Tom. I know. It's <laughs> just, just, you just said they had to learn. They had time to learn. I was like, I was making sure that wasn't a. Well, over an infinite thing. amount of time, they probably would, you know, evolve. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> you hope so. Yeah. Um, um, but they wouldn't need that time because they would just do it like first press. Boop. Yeah. Well, I guess whatever the minimum time is for them to type out the entirety of Shakespeare, one of them is going to do it by chance. So if you had infinite monkeys... Yeah, that's what I mean. It wouldn't be like... Yeah. It would be a final time. So you're not wrong time. in thinking about that. No. Yeah. That, is, that is one way to think about it. It is logical. Yeah. yeah. It's like... Um, I guess the slight opposite to that is, will we ever run out of music? Ooh. Yeah. We've, because we've, we've, got an in, we've got a finite number of notes, yeah. right? And you imagine a song is on average three to four minutes long. Yeah. We've got a finite number of notes. There's, surely there's only a certain number of ways that they can be arranged. The that I the issue I've got with that is that it's deriving music purely into notes when that's not the case of music. No, but music is made up of finite things. Rhythm. Mm, notes. No, not necessarily. Like you could like have hitting something with something that's brand new, like hitting a spoon on a new piece of metal would give a different sound. That's what I mean. Like music, oh, music isn't so like just playing notes. the spoons compared to <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> playing the drums. Okay, it, melodies. Is there like a, a finite amount of melodies that you can make? Possibly, mm. because that is like just notes on a scale. It, it, right. is, is there a maximum different ways that you can swing that? No, yes there's a maximum but music isn't just melodies there's there's more to it because then you've got okay. lyrics that come into it which can be rearranged there's new new words being created every year you've then got things like recording or physical hitting things like uh, i push my fingers into my eyes and the guy hits the the keg with the metal bat um that kind of stuff yeah so music i think is infinite Okay. And I think music will evolve over time and we'll taste it. <laughs> we'll taste it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like how an alien would, if an alien was going to like, had a way if of... If we're 500 years in the future, what yeah. can they add to songs? 500 taste. years? Uh, taste is what you're going for. I'd probably go texture first, really. Texture? Yeah. Oh, like, like it'll come full circle. Vibrations. We'll be buying discs again. I don't mean, I don't mean like just touching it. They'll come with like patterns on the back of the... They'll be like a scratch and sniff or like one of those books, you know, yeah. different textures on different pages. <laughs> like a three-year-old's book. <laughs> yeah. And um, for this song, yeah. feel the lion's tummy. Now, I think it'll be a bit more like you fit, not feel it in your brain, but more... Because there, there are songs like, songs like... Yeah, like haptic. More haptic. I don't know. Because, like, for me, yeah, not a lot of it, but I always bass boost my music and everything because I like having the vibration. Tinnitus. I like having well, tinnitus. tinnitus. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, as you say, kind of the haptics of the bass and what's ever in the song, I, do, I feel like it adds something else. I used to have a set of headphones that had a battery in it. Oh, skull crushers. When it detected bass, yeah, skull crushers. It <laughs> created so, vibration. So stupid that skull candy skull crushers. That's a memory. It is stupid. It's, it's something that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, I feel that. I feel that. I, like, I've, it does add a thing. I've moved up to uh, noise cancelling headphones. Ah, uh, yeah. And they uh, are... I need to get on those next. Yeah, they're, they're very good. I will tell you that for someone that... They emit a, and I know, I know nobody wants to say it, but noise cancelling headphones, they emit a hiss and it's like a low level noise to counter the noise. Yeah. So you, you'll never get like pure silence. There's someone with tinnitus, I'm never going to get pure silence. But that, that noise it makes, uh, it's like scratches the bit of my brain. <laughs> that, that, that Is it, it like white noise? It's, it's, it sounds like low level white noise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and I know that the more advanced ones will listen to the frequency of incoming noise and adapt to that white noise. Yeah, that's what, that's, right? that's what mine so are. So I've got some that ju it just plays white noise. It doesn't play 
Just the and noise. Yeah. Oh, noise. Sometimes I put on the, the white noise and I forget to put music on. That's fair. Yeah, and no, I've done that before. It just calms my brain down. I don't yeah. know what it is. But there, there is a thing that uh, it has been said with people on the spectrum, not trying oh, to pull you out. Well, okay. That uh, white noise <laughs> and things <laughs> like that do quiet in the brain. Yeah. The other, the other thing that I've started listening to is... Um, is it, it's, I think it's called like 8D... Music? Oh my, I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> yes, I discovered this recently yeah, as well. Yeah, so I discovered it last year, but I didn't have a good, like, good enough headphones for it. Um, but with the new ones I've got, yeah, 8D music. If you put it on YouTube, there are, yeah. and it's so strange. It's odd. It's, uh, it's odd. There's Spotify playlists now as well. Oh, I really? Discovered okay. This, I discovered this last week, 8D music. Okay. Um, yeah, through TikTok. So telling me I have ADHD. Okay, 8D music for those that don't know, <laughs> it essentially is a subcategory of music that tricks your brain into thinking that you're you're in a much bigger space. Essentially. Yeah. It it's kind of like it's it, it's so hard to describe. A lot of what I've found so far is it will play the music as if the band is slightly further away from you in a specific direction and it'll rotate around you constantly throughout the song. Yeah. It's it's so strange to listen to because it sounds like you are you've got your headphones on but you're listening to it through a speaker. Yeah. In like and an echoey room. In yeah, some some of it can be echoey room, but there's some of it that is just they just try Yeah, it's Worth, worth a go worth, worth, worth a listen yeah it's very interesting if you haven't experienced it and you need to concentrate on something or just calm your mind down 80 music will do that it really just kind of stops any other thoughts coming into your brain I don't know why yeah there's also I think there's like 60 music as well yeah there's this 4D 8D 12 but I, do, I really don't know what the differences were I think it's directional Eight directions. Ah, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. The one that really like gets that that bit in the back of your head is when it does like behind. That's the bit that I'm just like, right, left. It's like that's stereo. That's fine. The front I can yeah. I can get because it's just like you just combine them both. But when it's like they try and do it so it sounds like it's it's coming from behind. That's that that gets me like, uh, no, yes, I don't know if I enjoy this or not. Yeah, it could be a bit weird. The first one I experienced was kind of like 2D, but it kind of went left, right, left, right behind your head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Anyway, we've strayed a bit here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I've, re- I've realised I, I bought that in. So, other um, extinction. What, what what is... Do we have to explain what, ex- what extinction is? Um, the death of a, a species. Definition. It's just, a, it's, yeah. kind of, it's just a death of a species. The fact or process of a species, family, or other group of animals slash plants slash other life. Because if I'm honest, we don't know what mushrooms are. We don't know what fungi is. We, <laughs> we, we, we don't know where to place it. We just don't right? know. There are some fungi that are so closely related to humans that if you eat them, it makes you violently ill. Yeah, is that like the brain? You don't eat the brain because it's bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they're fungi. So, you know, uh, that's fun. Uh, but yeah, so then that all depends on what a species is. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I'm I not going down that rabbit hole again. So, so yeah. Um, if you want to know what a species is, we covered this in the biodiversity episode we did. That should be a few episodes back. And very quickly in our two evolution episodes. So, yeah. Essentially, if two things create an offspring that is fertile, they're a species. That's what we're going. I'm going with at least. Yeah. So um, what, I, what I kind of cheated with is I went for like world-ending events because all of those classify as extinction events. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you got a specific one you'd like to dive into? What an, an extinction event? Yeah. Um, I've got like so. I said oh, you got some zombies. Um. Robots, uh, aliens, 
kind of like fancy sci-fi stuff. But uh, there's more things like climate change. That's a bit too real. Um, <laughs> Pandemics. Oh, global, global pandemic. Yeah, that was one. Uh, yeah. Global warming. Rogue black hole. Yeah, and so it's it's like, things like, like natural disasters. dread things, right? Like rogue black hole and quasar. Is it quasars? Like this really, like really fast spinning yeah. exploded suns that could just hit Earth by chance and, yeah. you know. Just instantly wipe us out. We wouldn't know it. Instantly wipe us out. Yeah. We wouldn't even know it. That kind of stuff. It's just not even worth thinking about, is it really? No, because one minute you'd be dead and the next you just won't know. So, wait, no, one minute you'd be alive and the next minute you just won't know. <laughs> I wake yeah, up dead. So, um, so I got like for under natural disasters, which I think is probably the most plausible of extinction events that I've got on my list. Okay, I've got things like uh, f- flood basalt volcanism, and that's oh. just uh, volcanoes erupting. Uh, which, for example, back in 1783, the Naki volcano in Iceland erupted, spitting out three cubic miles of lava. Oh, that's a, that's a fair that's a fair which, amount. Which is a fair amount of lava. Um, yeah. And then flood, ashes, and fumes wiped out nine thousand people and eighty percent of the livestock, um, which then, ensuing starvation, killed a quarter of Iceland's population. And that's the atmospheric dust caused winter temperatures to plunge by nine degrees in the United States, oh. not in Iceland, in the United States. Yeah. Um, which, if that occurred today, probably have the same effect but be a lot more deaths because there's a lot more people alive than there were in 1783 in america yep yeah before yeah yeah freedom arrived um <laughs> <laughs> but 65 million years ago a plume of hot rock from the mantle burst forth through the crust that is now india uh with the, eru- the eruptions raging centuries after centuries and ultimately unleashing a quarter million cubic miles of lava, which was the lucky lucky eruption 100,000 times over, which, if you didn't know, this is like the alternate to, was an asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. It could have been this. So that could just, you know, just pop up. Everyone dies. Um, Yeah. yeah. Well, I could take you back here to the... Ordovician to Silurian extinction events. These happened 450 million years ago, mm. right? And it's two events that killed off 27% of all families, oh, 57% of all geni, genera. Are we, are we, are we going to bring up one of my favourite things? And 85% of all species. No, this isn't one of your favourite things, unfortunately. Um, now, in May 2020, previous to all of this... Um, it was suggested that global glaciation caused a massive extinction event. 85% of all species lost. But the new studies have suggested with new data that the cause of these mass extinctions was actually due to global warming related to volcanism. Just so many volcanoes went off that it caused obviously mass amounts of lava, mass amounts of anoxia, and because of the mass amounts of cooling that went on, because of all the sulfur in the air, glaciation then followed. Yeah. Um, however, as I say, it's a bit kind of at odds with all of the previous studies. So, they, they, you know, they'll, they'll come back to that one with a definitive answer. Um, but yeah, so that has happened. You said that was the Palmian Triceric extinction event. No, that's the Ordovician Silurian extinction event. Oh, well, okay. Well, the Permian Triassic would be your your favourite one, and it's not my favourite because <laughs> this sounds really harsh, but uh, b- because it's colloquially known as the Great Dying. The Great Dying. <laughs> Which, so this happened between the Paleozoic and the Mesozoic eras, which is two hundred and fifty one point nine million years ago. For those that aren't in the know. Uh, yeah. It was one of the world's most severe known extinction event, uh, with the extinction of 57% of biological families, 83% of genera, and 81% of marine species, and 70% of terrestrial vertebrates going extinct. Yeah. Which is... Which is... And considering, like, every time we look back at 
uh, great extinction events. So we have the five big ones that people kind of point to, the five mass extinction events, right? Yeah. Um, most of the time, the marine species have been okay. Not like a lot of them have survived, let's say, but they've been less impacted than the ones on Earth. So mm-hmm. the fact that 81% of marine species died yeah, is madness. Not only that, but the trilobite, which had just been trucking along since the beginning of time, <laughs> more or less. Like, well, not really, but, you know, it was one of the first really successful... Uh, exoskeleton species like it revolutionized life so yeah. I'm a bit of a trilobite fanboy after a documentary I watched last week <laughs> um, but yeah the trilobite revolutionized life mm. and it went extinct like how yeah. sad well you know great dying happened uh, the they don't actually have well two things uh, the first is that they estimate that it took 10 million years to recover from the Great Dying. That's how big of an issue it was. Which is such a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, is what a testament to, like, isn't that also quite quick in a way? Like, it says recovered, so I presume that means up to the same level that it was. I don't think pre-dying no, event. No, I don't think they they mean it like that. Okay, I think they mean like things started living again. Oh right, <laughs> okay, things larger than a cockroach <laughs> yeah. were able to live again. Okay, uh, I get you. Yeah, so the middle middle of the Triassic era, they believe. Yeah. Just in time, because uh, you know, fifty million years later, yeah, oh, a massive it's... asteroid came and st- st- yeah. <laughs> struck the Earth. So um, there's like... like, so they've got. Uh, sorry, I'm looking. Going back to your like, uh, what do you call them? The pods, trilobites. Trilobites. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got like Actually, arthropods. Euryptids. Uh, Euryptids. Which is the type? Which is a type of arthropod, odder. Oh yeah, hundred percent of them went extinct. Then you've got the trilobites, hundred percent of them went extinct. Then you've got the the ostracods, fifty nine percent of them went extinct. Yeah. Then you've got things like the brachiopoda, ninety six percent of them went extinct. Like yeah, you're not surviving that, are you? Um, but the thing with the great dying, the great Mass extinction event, that is, the Great Dying. So they don't actually know for certain what caused it. There's a, there's a few hypotheses. Um, volcanism being a main one. As you said, what happens? Yeah. No one is methane hydrate gasification. Okay. Uh, which consists of methane molecules being trapped in cages of water molecules. And then that causes the temperature to plummet. Oh, um, well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, which is Methane essentially being like such a strong greenhouse gas. Yeah, essentially, climate change happens, and then permafrost just kills everything. Yeah, which... not that I'm like a historical or geological expert, but I would say that surely, if it were volcanism, we'd see it. Yeah, that's... in the like geological records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they they found more evidence of, of that you know, than okay. anything else. But they, they think it could be like a combination because if you, if you have volcanism, then more you've likely, got then methane hydrate gasification. Yeah. Um, anoxia? Yep. Isn't that yet when you don't when you've got too much oxygen and you makes you go lightheaded? Lack of oxygen. Lacks of oxygen. Yeah, I had that. It makes you, your feet go tingly. Oh, really? Yeah, do you know when I went to the, the hospital with the old, uh, the old clot? The old black clot. <laughs> got, got the old clots, yeah. yeah. in between when it got really bad and I couldn't breathe, I was, like, hyperventilating to get my oxygen in. I know that gives yeah. you more oxygen, but if you do it for too long, it goes the other way because you don't really breathe that much. Yeah, I got tingly feet. Oh. Um, well, that's interesting. And I got to give some some painkillers and then I could breathe properly and it went away and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I won't worry too much. <laughs> but essentially, anoxia in the, is, like, widespread ocean anoxia. 
which is just the severe deficiency of oxygen in water. Yeah. Not great for the fish. Because there can be things in water like limestone, I think, which mm. will take oxygen out yeah. of the water mm-hmm. because it reacts with it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, not great for the good old trilobites. Yeah. Uh, it said, like, it's, it's a spreading of toxic oxygen-depleted water would have devastated marine life, causing widespread die-offs. Not just extinction yeah. events, die-offs. Die-offs. Yeah. Well, what's that thing we learn about in school to do with lack of oxygen, like runaway in like a, like a pond or something, runaway hypoxia due to runoff? Oh, you mean from like runoffs from chemicals? Yeah. And it's like, it's always an example in school. Yeah. You've got the farmers in the fields and they use the fertilizers that are really good at um, absorbing oxygen because that's their, what they do, releasing oxygen. Yeah, and then you get all the algae on the top of the the pond, which block the sunlight coming in, and then everything in the pond dies. Yeah, because there's no oxygen left. Yeah, good for the algae though. Great for the algae until then they then die off as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a great little system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, if you didn't know, tardigrades survived the great dying. Yeah. See, there we go. <laughs> Tell us about your tardigrades. <laughs> right, I told. Oh, we didn't really go into it, did we? Last, last, uh, last episode. I said I spoke a bit about it, mostly, more, quite a lot about it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, they survived. They have survived all five mass extinction events. If you don't know, I didn't. Have they literally been around? Yeah, they've long? been around for ages, mate. That's why they're so good at surviving, mate. Why they're so good at surviving? Because they've been around for so long, and they've been around for so long because they're so good at surviving. What if, and this is going to sound ridiculous, what if tardigrades are the cause of the great dying? What was it? Commonality isn't causation? Causation is. (laughs) (laughs) What if this world is like an egg for tardigrades? Mm. And we, the the egg just Just gets reborn. Just to make them better and better and better. And like we are the, you know, because we are currently, right. Uh, this all, this is kind of a, a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, a survey was done in 98, and 70% of biologists who took part in the survey yeah. believe that Earth is currently in this next stage of a mass extinction event, the Holocene extinction, obviously, yeah. man-made. What if we're just like the next level for tardigrades? They're just here to get the human achievement yeah. done. Boom. Sorted. Yeah. Sorry. Huh? Uh, could, Carry could, on. Could be Tardi- true. Tardigrade me. Yeah, tardigrades. So tardigrades are Macrobiotus sapiens. They got eight little legs. Sapiens? Sapiens, yeah. Sapiens. As in like Homo sapiens? Yeah, mate. Wow. I mean, my th- all I'm saying is my theory has a lot more sense now. <laughs> Pretty sure, yeah, macrobiotic sapiens. You heard it here first, folks, <laughs> and we'll see it. In yeah, the, the news. news next the news week, will come out next sure. week. Um, <laughs> so they were, they were first described by German zoologist Johann August Enfriam Jose in 1773. Imagine like a quadruple-barreled name. Uh, they gave he gave him the, the name German. Little Water Bears. I, I guess I didn't say his name with enough aggression that normally comes with the, the Germanic language. Um, he's got four pairs of stubby little legs. Uh, just they've just they're just awesome. They they they've survived all five mass extinction events. Um, they they lack if this is like tardigrade facts. They lack several hox genes. What's a ho- really? What's a hox gene, Tom? Now, if my sixth form biology memory serves me correctly here, Hox gene is the body plan gene? Yeah. It's It's like when you're forming, it tells your kind of like leg where to grow. Yeah. So it's a subset of the homeobox genes, which is a group of related genes that specify regions of the body plan of an embryo along the head to tail axis of an animal. Uh, the Hox protein encodes and specifies the characteristics of positions 
are showing that the correct structures form in the correct places of the body. For example, the Hox genes in insects specify which appendages form on a segment, e.g. legs and wings, if it replies. And tardigrades, they were like, you know what? We don't need that. <laughs> what we need is to be able to survive in space. Let's focus on that. Yeah. Even though we've never been there and it's yeah. not been selected for, right? Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, yeah. we'll need that one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as a, as a, as a rule of, of temperatures that tardigrades can, can survive, they can survive a few minutes, 151 degrees centigrade. So that's 304 degrees Fahrenheit. They can survive for 30 years why? at but minus why 20 <laughs> Degrees. How often have they been there without well, being necessary? Just tardigrades. And how often have we tested that? Why did we test that? Walking off a volcano, like, mm. yeah, we've only got like two more minutes and I'll probably shuffle out of here. Um, yeah, it's just like a sauna for them. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on, Sharon. We've got an extra minute here. This is, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. So 30 years at minus 20, they're like, it's chill. Uh, a few days at minus 200. So that's uh, 73 Kelvin. No, that's minus three, minus 328 Fahrenheit. And a few minutes at minus 723, which is one Kelvin. Um, yeah. But why? <laughs> why? Why can they do that? <laughs> that's one degree above absolute zero. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Why? <laughs> like, there's surely there's never been a situation in nature... Where they—that's been selected for. Yeah, but I think it has something to do with like the way they dehydrate their body. At a certain point of freezing, it doesn't matter if you get more frozen because once it's frozen, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You Is could... it not? I mean, I get you. Yeah. But I don't because, like, when water freezes, it gets bigger, right? Yeah. So this is what we talked about—the the chemo bios chemobiosis yeah about no that's the toxins that's completely the wrong thing uh, I get what you mean the, the uh, when they get rid of water yes yes yes, yes. when they, they dehydrate themselves yeah they can go from 83% water in their body to 3% so if they go oh to, yeah because I spoke about seaweed yeah I remember that yeah, yeah yeah so if it goes down to 3% and it freezes <laughs> the expansion is only 3% and not 83% um Outer space and tardigrades. So tardigrades are the first known animal to survive in outer space, <laughs> which is such a stupid <laughs> achievement to have. In, yeah. in September 2007, dehydrated tardigrades were taken into a low Earth orbit on the Photon M3 mission, carrying the Biopan uh, astrobiology payload. For 10 days, groups of tardigrades were exposed to the hard vacuum of outer space or vacuum and solar UV radiation. After being rehydrated back on Earth, over 68% of the subjects uh, protected from high energy UV radiations revived within 30 minutes following rehydration, uh, although subsequent mortality was quite was high. Many of these produced viable embryos. So it's not over there like, they were like, here's some radiation and you'll survive, but you can't have kids. It was like, here's some radiation, you're good. You can have kids. Nothing was destroyed. Um, yeah. Imagine, right? In contrast, we're, we're, yeah. Sorry. Hydrated samples exposed to the combined effect of vacuum and solar UV radiation had significantly reduced survival, with only three subjects uh, surviving. So but they did survive. They did. There's three that, that suck it out, and they're those are the ones that have evolved. <laughs> now they know. Yeah. Like, those are like they, they've used that to start the next population yeah those ones they, they're the, but like once again why is my question <laughs> but imagine in the future right we've got big tardigrades uh you know we use them as like donkeys or whatever because mm. why wouldn't you <laughs> why you, you travel x amount of light years through the solar system and you arrive at a place yeah and all you do is add water and they come back to life yeah solid it's like those magic plants madness just before we started the podcast actually i saw a video of a tardigrade hunting oh yeah which i'd not seen before i'll send it i'll, I'll send it yeah <laughs> hunting. Uh, i don't know why i happened to come across it but i did 
Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, copy permalink. Very good for an audio experience that we're going for here, Tom. <laughs> oh yeah, the, so, uh, well, I, it was just kind of. I'll, do I'll put it up on. Uh, I'll, I'll put it up on the. Yeah, yeah, clip. We'll, we'll put well. a clip and we'll get it on the Insta, so if people want to see yeah. what Tardigrades look like and of them hunting, uh, you got to find that. Where Tom? Where are you able to find it? To wrap things up, where where are you able to find it? Oh yeah, well we're over the hour now, aren't we? Yeah. You can go to Twitter at info entropy pod, Instagram it's information entropy pod, and. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find some more fun science stuff. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Some AI artwork sometimes. Yeah, every week. New, new excited. Yeah. Every single week when I remember. Yeah. Every- that is that is one hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. That is that is a that is a true statement. Uh if you have enjoyed the show though, this has been a bit off the rails. Um give us a rating. We appreciate that. Yeah. Give us some feedback. Also, enjoy that. Like a one. Yeah, exactly. And if you happen to be perusing past iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, and that's where you want to leave the rating, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, But yeah, anything else to add, mate? No, that's it from me. We got, there's a lot more. I think we may continue to do the sci-fi extinction events next time. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll research on that. Yeah. And then I can join in. Yeah, so with, we'll talk about uh, zombies a bit things more. Things that I bring. Aliens yeah. a bit more. AI robots a bit more. And then I'll save more. this extinction stuff for another episode, maybe further down the line. The biological stuff. Yeah. Because I've got six pages of notes. Yeah. Untouched. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> I <overdo> it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just how we do. Too much research mm-hmm. can, is never a problem. All right. Thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you here. Yeah. And we'll catch you guys... For next week. Yeah. Peace. Definitely.